Well, we are still in our series on discipleship. Remember what that was? That's, that's when, as pastors, we come and tell you, hey, these are some things you need to know and the way you need to live. Now, we do that every week. I get that. But then there's some things that officially fall into that kind of umbrella of discipleship that we need to talk about and may not always be super pleasant, right? Kind of get your toes stepped on. I don't, I don't enjoy that, to be honest with you. I'm not someone who looks for conflict. I'm always trying to stop conflict, even, even if it's people they don't even know. Uh, yet I see conflict, I feel like I need to go, hey, can we work this out? And you know, they look at me like, who are you? But that's okay. That's all right. I'm just, just, anyway. So, my kids were little. We used to play this game. And I think one of them maybe invented it. I, I don't think I did. But it was such a fun game. And we would call it a treasure hunt. So I don't know if any of you have younger kids. You can just do this or grandkids. It's fun. So what we would do is this. Is I would make all these clues. Sometimes I would draw a picture. And they'd have to figure out where to go. And then sometimes I'd put a sentence on there. And then when they went to that place that the clue was for, there'd be another clue. And they'd have to find it. So sometimes it might be something like, it can get really hot in there, but that's great if mom's cooking and that would be where? Kitchen. Yep. See, you guys, do you play this game? And always at the end of it would be a treasure because we called it a treasure map. And sometimes I would even make the whole map and they would have to try to figure out where they were going and in the house and find little things and there would be treasures. Now there were kids, right? So the treasures for you may not have been very much like a treasure. Sometimes it'd be a piece of candy or I would even do this. Sometimes it'd be like one of their own toys that maybe they hadn't seen for a while. My wife did the most clever thing because seriously, how many stuffed animals are there in the world, right? (laughs) Too many, right? So what she would do is is so clever. Um, She would collect ones that she hadn't seen them even playing with and we'd put them in a big trash bag and they'd go in the closet. And the funniest thing is, I don't know that they ever noticed this happened. So there's no little ones in here, is it right? I don't want to give away these tricks or anything. But then when you bring out one of those, it's like, oh, I haven't seen this forever. I'm so glad to see you. And then, you know, like, oh my gosh. When it didn't matter at all, it was under the bed or wherever it was, you know, for months. Now it's special again. Those were kind of the treasures. Does that make sense? Such a fun game. It was a fun game because... Sometimes then they would do the same thing and lead me on a treasure hunt and go all over the house and, you know, it was warm outside in the yard and it was just fun. It was fun to do that together. This is one of those things in life, not to make this sad, but like I didn't know the last time we played that was the last time. You know how that goes? You're like, I don't think they would do that anymore, right? Unless there was a legit treasure at the end. I mean, like, like money. I mean, they're all adults make their own money and have their own cars like what do i i mean treasure treasure changes right the definition of what matters to you changes because at that point in their lives it was all about the fun of it and literally a lot of times it would be their own toy they just hadn't seen it in a minute and all of a sudden it's special well now it's changed right because a a little stuffed animal is not going to really do it anymore for the kids used to be sometimes i put one of theo's little cars and he has a car Right. right And I'm not giving him a car. So (laughs) that's just not happening, right? So it changes. What I think is interesting in life is we kind of live life like that. Now, here's here's where I'm going with this. We kind of play the same game with our lives. It's like we get a clue 
about where the treasure is. And then we get there and we see, oh, that's not quite as satisfying as I thought it would be. But then there's another clue that if it's newer, right, bigger, faster, shinier, we go for that thing. And we just keep going through life. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it can be, I don't get this one, but the whole purse thing. You know, you see, anyway. Or an outfit. I don't get that either. No offense, but I just. But how about a computer? I get that, right? More RAM, faster. I get that. A better processor, a better, better, a better, better screen, all of that. I get that. It could be a bike. It could be anything. How about the phones? Is there a new phone yet? Because you've got to have it, right? Even the one you have works perfectly fine, but you want one that's better. I get it. And it, and it I mean, I get it. I totally get that. Or how about, let's, how about a new job? And you, you make more money, have better hours, maybe better benefits. And you keep chasing these things, and you think it's going to be it, and you're going to get there, and yes, I got the treasure. But then you realize that there's another clue to another treasure that you think is going to satisfy, and you keep going and going and going. Look, I get it. A boat? Anybody here have a boat? What? Okay, I see that one hand. Really? Do you want a bigger boat? (laughs) He said, of course. Of course he does. Faster boat, maybe better electronics. I mean, there's always better, right? You're out there fishing and the guy next to you has got that. Do you know they have one really you can literally see underwater? I mean, it's not just little images. I mean, you literally see the fish. You can see your lure hit the fish. It's insane. I'm not saying I want that necessarily. I mean, we get it, right? A newer house, bigger house, maybe master bedroom on the main floor. As we get older, I don't know. Uh, We search and search and we spend so much time. We work for the treasure. The treasure is what we're after. And then we work for it and we, we earn it and we save it and we spend a lot on it. I always, as a youth pastor, I was always amused when kids start making money, youth start making money. I remember a kid one time coming and he's like, who's FICO and why does he get my money? And I'm like, well, how'd you vote? I'm just kidding. He didn't vote yet. He was a kid. But still, you know that paradox of youth? I don't know if you guys are into this at all, but you want a car, right? You want a car. And then you find out... It, takes gas so you got to get a job and what do you want the car for to spend time with your friends so you got to get a job to make money to put gas in the car which all takes time and then you have time for your friends right it's treasure it's treasure you're after the treasure and the treasure's driving you and leading you but the thing is uh, the treasure never we never get the treasure and the clues lead us over and over. We went newer, bigger, better, more, more, shinier, faster, more. And so often the treasures do, it comes down to money, right? Money is such a touchy subject. Do you know it's one of the leading causes of divorce, money? Did you know it's awkward to talk about in church? But we got to sometimes. I hope that's okay today because we got to do it. Something we need, you need to know. I love you enough to tell you that, that money has a place and, 
and God cares about this. Jesus actually talked about money more than a lot of other things. I think it's interesting because so many people hold on to it as if it's more important than relationships or it's more important than the other things that really matter. What I've noticed is that people hold on to it and they don't realize it's really holding them. And they think they own it, but it really owns them. It's funny how they look to it to do what only God can really do, to satisfy, to give meaning, to give hope, to give security, to give permanence and contentment. It really does kind of become like a God. And you sacrifice to it. You sacrifice time that you will never, ever get back. Ever. Your kids are only that age once. It's a special time. I was looking at Paul and Rebecca's twins out there. They're, they're, this, they're tiny. They're little tiny things. And it won't be like that forever. We serve it. Have you ever heard you can't buy happiness? I know I've heard a lot of jokes about that. I'd be willing to try, right? I get that. And I, I get it. Let me, let me give you some principles today that hopefully put all of this in a proper perspective. Because I do believe that there's a fundamental connection between the way we view finances in our spiritual life. It's a connection that we need to be honest about. Have you heard this? A way to a, way to a man's heart is through what? Yeah, stomach is what people think. But with God, a way to a man's heart is sometimes sadly through his wallet. Because people are good with everything until it comes to that. I don't, I don't, I mean, I get it, but I mean, God will do, God will, we'll respond to him in a lot of ways, but unless it has to do with money, I get, I get that. Let me, let me share with you. I'm using, a lot of this comes from a book by Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle. And this verse is where he gets all of this. So I want to share this with you, and I want you to read it in a different way today. I want you to think about treasure as whatever it is that you are going after, whatever it is, your treasure, whether it's that boat or car or a lifestyle or whatever the treasure is for you. Let's, let's read this for a second. Don't store, this is Jesus speaking, don't, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and trust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Then he, had, he ends this with, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. So let me, let me get to this. I know this is obvious, but you can't take it with you. You know that, right? You know the old joke about there's never a U-Haul behind the hearse? It doesn't work that way. What I'm going to ask you to do is think of it different, though. I'm going to ask you to think about investments and all of that in a different way. In fact, I'm going I'm to ask you to switch your investment vehicle today. It's funny how we hold on to treasures, right? And we've all probably watched the news as economies crash around the world. And most of us are too young to have experienced anything to do with the depression. I do remember this, though. My great-grandma, she died when she was 103. And I do remember always being amused at her house. Because you could open a drawer... And there would be used tinfoil, clean, 
but fold it up into these neat squares, and she would use it again. And I remember when Tupperware came out, and uh, I remember when um, she would, Ziploc bags came out, and she'd wash those too. Changes everything, right? It's hard for us to relate to, but you know, when FDR in the, in the late 30s, um, they took away the gold standard. I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm sure Rick Raines knows this, because this is his business, but basically what they did is they traded one ounce gold pieces, which were $20 pieces, for a $20 piece of paper. None of you remember that, I'm sure. Do you know what that $20 coin would be worth today? I looked it up. This is Friday. It may have changed already, but $2,014.55. I mean, it changes, right? Anybody remember what you made in your first job per hour? <laughs> Those of us older laugh. What do you guys make now? Anybody have a job in any high school? What do you, what do you make? 12 plus tips, base plus tips? Wow. Okay. That's pretty awesome. What's the minimum wage now? Isn't it 15 or something? Kind of crazy? No, 11? I think I made, I mean, my first job I actually got a check for. Well, I, I was a paper boy, so I got checks for that, but, but that, yeah, that's different. I think I was 235 an hour, and I was digging ditches all day, eight hours a day. Isn't that crazy? I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Christ is not against us storing up treasures. What he wants is for us to have the treasure in the right place and our priorities right. That's what he wants. And God does have a treasure mentality. He expects us to, to manage our money well, and he expects us to use it wisely. He also expects us to use it in service to him and to serve others. That's, that's just what he expects us to do. You know, it, it goes on and on like this, but... the. It's a whole different mindset. The money God entrusts to us here on earth is, is really like eternal investment capital. It's like you get to use it to change things everywhere because we're part of his kingdom. Here's another principle to think about. This may shock some of you. Actually, God owns everything, and we're the managers. That's how God set it up in the very beginning. It's his world. We're just part of, I know some of you think that's true with your spouse, like it's their world and you just live in it. But that's actually true for real of God. It's his world. We are managers. He trusts us with things and we're supposed to be use it. We're supposed to invest it like a steward. And we should be always running around looking for the best place to invest the owner's money because it's his it's like we're not motivated necessarily by the personal things, but by kingdom things. It changes everything. It's not wrong to be motivated by reward. I'm not even saying that because he wouldn't have given us that as a motivation, but he does. He says you will be blessed. It's just the blessing isn't always financial. That's the difference. And I know that some people aren't like super excited to go to heaven maybe, but... That might be because you feel like the treasure and the reward's here, and it's not. I want to share this with you, too. Think about this for a second. Your heart always follows your treasure. Do you ever think about that? Your heart follows your treasure. I know if I were to look at your checkbook or your visa statement or your receipts, it wouldn't be that hard to follow where your heart is. It's like a compass that points where you're 
heart is pointed. That's how it works. You could look at it a totally different way, though, and that's what I want you to do today. If, if your heart is for the things of God, then that's where you invest. You're literally invested in what he's doing, and because of that, that's where you put your finances. It's a different way of thinking of things. You want to see God's work flourish, so it's, it's just different. You have a vested interest in what God is doing. So you may have heard these terms before, and these have such a real application to this. You ever heard that term, um, you got skin in the game? Can you think of any of the rest of those? There's a lot of those terms. I think of them like this. You know, I've got skin in the game, or maybe a dog in the fight. It's like you're part of what's going on. You're not just a spectator, and you're not just receiving. You're part of determining what happens. It's like you've got something to lose. How about you've got a piece of the action? You've got money on the line. You're a stakeholder. You're an owner. You've put your money where your mouth is. I, I heard this illustration years ago, and it always makes me laugh. Every time I eat breakfast, I think about this. Do you ever think about breakfast and money? Anybody like ham and eggs? Who gave more? Think about that for a second. Do you like ham and eggs? Who gave more? I mean, for one, it was just a little contribution. For the other, they're invested. (laughs) Changes everything. And I think one of the deterrents to how we give is it's this illusion that the earth is our home, that this is it. And I get that. I mean, that's kind of one of the lies of of communism that that eats at the heart of people. It makes them so selfish and self-oriented that this is it. That's why Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses because we look past this and we're willing to endure hardship here because we have something else going forward. But if you think this is all it is, then that's where your treasure is going to be. And your treasure will be here. It's an illusion. And I get the illusion because... We want to feel comfortable and we want to provide for our own comfort. And it's as if we have it all in our hands. But you know the world is not a comfortable place and you know it's not your home. You know that you were created for something different. You know that this world is is full of abuse and violence and bad things now are called good and wrong is called right and Christian values are looked at as mean. and it's, It's paradoxical, really, if you think about it. You're created for a home that you've never been to yet. Our hearts long for something different, for something better. There's a sense of, our, our, our sense of justice is violated when we see injustice because we know that's not how the world should be. We need it and want it and trust that it will be set right. That's the whole story of God is, you know, the garden was good. The enemy comes and disrupts. We sin. We, we, we create this world that is dangerous and evil. And Jesus comes like we just celebrated communion to set it right. We're not made for this. We're made for heaven. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's hard, though, not to be attached to things. But things end up gaining all this this appeal to us and it's as if they matter more than people and we can't take it with us it's so crazy right it all ends up in the landfill right i know i've seen this lately with with uh even my family but then others that i know where you know maybe somebody has collected china and then their kids aren't interested something that was so valuable and yet the next generation doesn't value it the same could be figurine, it could be a lot of things that we treasure. Do you know archaeologists love when they find a, a trash pile and a dump? You know why? Because that's where they find all the things that mattered to the culture. 
It's funny how that works. I want to challenge you to do something totally different. I'm going to give you a geometry. Remember geometry? Y'all had geometry, right? Remember the difference between a line and a, and a point? Do you remember that? It's perspective, isn't it? It's perspective. Have you ever been around somebody who lacked perspective? <laughs> remember? Have you um, ever been talking to someone and maybe you're amused by their lack of perspective or disturbed by their lack of perspective? It's as if they had the thing so out of order, like the thing that was so important isn't really that important, but they can't see it. It's like the little kid, you know, he's five and he says, all my life, I... (laughs) Or the two-year-old who melts down in the grocery store because they walk by those toys that they cleverly put right at their eye level. And you know that toy is cheap and would be broken before you leave the store. And you try to tell them and they're melting down, right? (laughs) Or somebody who stomps and slams and runs out crying because their hair didn't turn out good. I never had that problem. I'm just (laughs) telling you. It's perspective. Can I give you perspective for a second? Nobody says this anymore, but you, you know that term YOLO? You only live once? It's true. It's just that it's forever. That's what they don't get. A lot of times they say YOLO because they're going to do something crazy and irresponsible. But I'm telling you, you only live once. It's forever. We live here forever. And how we live forever matters. And it starts now. So the whole geometry thing, the dot and the line, is this. What we're in right now is this dot, but that's not reality. Our lives last what, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years? And then what? Then eternity. Do you remember the definition of a line in geometry? It's something that goes on forever. Forever and ever and ever. But in our world, it seems like this is everything, and it's just not. So what I'm challenging you to do today is to invest your money, but do it on God's timeline rather than just the dot. Let me mention this too. Giving is really the only antidote to materialism. I, believe me, I want nice things. I like things. I like things that work, actually. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pragmatic that way. I don't mind how old it is. If it runs well, I like it. But still, we all like things. And it's easy to get attached to things. I get that. But here's the difference. Materialism uses people to get things. And Christianity uses things to get people. Do you see the difference? It's way reversed. Like things matter, I get it. But ultimately, it's people that matter more. And I want to see lost people saved, so I invest there. That changes everything. I want to see people helped, so that's where I invest. It's, it's different. I, w- I want my money to follow God's heart and what God wants. I want to rearrange my priorities for what matters to him. I want to pray with you that my heart would be more like his and my, my money would have a higher purpose than just me. Now listen, if, if this sounds crazy to you, I get it. But I want you to understand this. I'm going to say these things which may sound crazy. If you're a Christian already and you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. You know that whole, what is that, what those initials you put sometimes on things? If you know, you know. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. I'm going to say that again. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. 
It really affirms Christ's lordship in our lives. That's what it does. Dalton, if I could have you join me up here. You know what it does? It dethrones me and exalts him. That's what it does. It just does that. So someone out here is probably like, well, how much? He's probably going to mention tithing. I am. But just to be clear, do you know tithing's only mentioned one time in the New Testament? And where it's mentioned, Jesus was being challenged about what, what he was doing is challenging the Pharisees because they were so, their hearts were wrong, honestly. And so what they were doing is they were tithing even their, the, get this, the mint and dill from their herb gardens 10% religiously. And that's the problem. It was a number rather than a heart. In the New Testament, they, they literally gave all they could is what they did. And if we're talking about tithing in the Old Testament, it was closer to 35%, not 10 it's not the number. Although you've got to have a number, a standard, and tithing's a thing. I get it. But it's more about the heart. If your heart is right, then the number isn't the issue anymore. I mean, tithing can be a floor, not a ceiling. It's... Yeah. Let me read this verse to you, 2 Corinthians 8.3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. It's a heart issue. Did anybody play hearts? You know that game? What's the goal of hearts? Not have any cards, right? Yeah, one card. Yeah, to end with only one. That's the goal. It's it's so upside down from our world today. Our world says he who dies with the most toys wins. Most toys wins. But the problem is you still die. I believe this too. I believe God prospers us not just to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. I, I believe this. I've heard this before, and I, I do believe that God has literally called some people to be givers because he's also entrusted them with the gifts and skills to, to make money. I mean, it's a skill. It's a thing. And just because God gives us money in our hands doesn't mean he intends for it to stay there. Uh, many of you know Danny and Happy Sparks. I love them. One day they gave me some money, just handed me money. I'm like, what are you doing? And they said, well, someone gave this to us, and we just asked God, is this to bless, to be blessed or to be a blessing? And we felt like he said, be a blessing, and we felt like it was you. And I was humbled and then walked away thinking, I've never thought that one time. <laughs> and I'm a horrible person, which isn't. That's not what their intention was. It literally changed my mind about all of that. Am I blessed to be just the consumer of the blessing or am I blessed to bless? Think about this for a second, okay? So how God does this. Suppose, suppose God's wanted to reach the world with the message of forgiveness and grace. And he does. Suppose he decided to use people to reach the lost. and That's what he does. Suppose God works in our system through people and it takes money. It does. We had missionaries here two weeks ago. That's how it works. And then suppose he gave us money to send them. He does. He literally trusts us with that for us to manage. It's, let, me, let me just share with you a few more scriptures just in case you're curious. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. 
I was preaching at a church. This is years ago. And um, I didn't know they, they took the offering. And then right in the middle of my sermon, they, they said, uh, Pastor, we need to take another offering. I'm like, okay. Never seen this done before. And Pastor got up and said, we didn't get enough. We're going to do it again. <laughs> was, it was hard to preach after that because it was so amusing. And something I thought, oh, my goodness sakes, I would never even think of that. That's not God. Okay, they do their thing. I'm not criticizing that. It's just humorous to me. No one's compelled. It's a heart thing. It's like free will. We want you to give because God has called you to give, not because you feel like we're watching. I don't check the giving records. I don't do that because I don't want that to ever even cross my mind. I want you to give because God has called you to give. And he's called us to give. In Acts 20, it says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. And in Luke, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap for the measure you use. It will be measured back to you. And then finally, out of the Old Testament, Malachi says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house and, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. This, he doesn't say this often. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there's no more that you need. You need to hear this today. And I want you to have the opportunity to be generous. We're just the vehicle. We're the mechanism to get your generosity into action. That's what the church does. I've said this a million times. Just like the government, we don't actually make money. We, we take what you are generous with, and then we are generous with it. That's how it works. It's just how it works. You can do that. You know, I know when we did our generosity segment, you see how we can do that. It's easy. One of the things we don't talk a lot about is the reoccurring giving. It's a, it's a real powerful tool. It, it helps us because then I don't have to think about it. It's just, it happens. I love that. That's an option for you. So I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes, everybody in the room, for a minute. It's a heart issue. So let me just ask for a second. This is just asking, who, who has your heart? And where is your treasure? We're all God's stewards, whatever God has trusted you with. And getting back to Danny and happy, I didn't even ask him if I could share this, but Danny one time, he told me, you can buy happiness. I, I thought he was going to tell me a joke. He's serious. Think about this for a second. You can buy happiness by giving away and blessing other people. The happiness that gets is worth more than the money. It's a powerful thing. So I'm just going to ask you, between you and God, to think about that for a minute. Where's your treasure? And what are you doing with that? And before we close the service, I want to also ask this question. You know, earlier we, we celebrated communion. It was very clear about the fact that Jesus paid the price for our sin. So I'm well aware that there may be somebody in here and you haven't taken care of that debt yet. And that you know that there's something between you and God, something you've done to, to ruin that relationship, to separate yourself from him. And having heard that today, you realize, I want to be free. I want forgiven. Anybody here like that today? That maybe you've not become a Christian, but today's the day and you want to say, yes, 
I want to surrender myself to him. Anybody at all like that, just raise your hand and I will, I will pray with you. Anybody at all. All right, let me pray for us. Father, I'm grateful for these. These your people who have been in part of this church. I want to thank you in advance for their generosity. Thank you for all that they've given. I pray today, though, for their hearts. I pray for their hearts, God, that you would work on us who need to be more generous, that you would work on us who maybe our priorities aren't where they should be, that, God, you would be very clear about the kingdom principles that we need to follow. And, God, we want, we want to see that flourish in the name of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Nick's going to close us out today.